Hello and welcome back to Weekly Impact. I'm your host, Brent Smith, um, and it is always good to have you listening. Yeah, Merry Christmas, everybody. Christmas was yesterday, because today's December 26th. Um, Today we're going to be focusing on 2 Corinthians chapter 6, and I am joined... 2-6. We planned that out just for you. Wow. (laughs) And that is why you're the youth pastor. (laughs) Rude. So, um, as you can tell, I'm joined by a few people today. Um, I'll start to my left that you can't see, but it is to my left, and we're going to go around the table, and everybody's going to say their name as they go. So, go ahead. Hi, everybody. I'm Tiffany Wiss, and I'm the E-Kid director here, and hey, how are you doing? Hi, my name is Jacob Kingsley. I'm the youth pastor here, and Tiffany, I'm doing fantastic. Thank you for asking. That's great. Hi, this is Jen Kaler. Hey, everybody. This is Phil Nelson, one of the pastors here. So glad you're joining us on this weekly impact. He's the assistant youth pastor. (laughs) (laughs) So um, anyway, like I said, we're going to get into 2 Corinthians chapter 6 today. I will quickly recap what we do every episode. Um, The way that we do these episodes is called the SOAP method. It's an acronym S-O-A-P. S is scripture. So we'll read through the scripture first. And what we do is we go around the table and each person takes two verses, just so you know, so you can read along if you want to. We always try to stay in the ESV version of the Bible. Um, And then, uh, so S is scripture, O is observation. So we'll take observations, what things stood out to everybody in the reading. Um, And then applications, so the A is applications, and we see how that can apply to your life every day. And then P, we end uh, end with prayer. So... All right, let's go ahead and get into the reading, and we will start, Phil, if you don't mind, we'll start with you, and we will go counterclockwise counterclockwise for those who cannot see us. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, and you know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to back up a couple verses, if it's okay, uh, to chapter 5, and let's do uh, verse 20, just because... When Paul wrote this, it wasn't in chapters, and so it kind of flows into the next. So I'm going to start with uh, verse 20, and then uh, pick up at uh, 6, verse 1. All right. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin, meaning Jesus, who knew no sin, so that in Christ we might become the righteousness of God. Now starting chapter 6, verse 1. Working together with him, then we appeal to you not to receive the grace of God in vain. For he says, in a favorable time I listened to you, and in a day of salvation I have helped you. Behold, now is the favorable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. We put no obstacle in anyone's way, so that no fault may be found with our ministry. But as servants of God, we command ourselves in every way, be great endurance in afflictions, hardships, calamities. In beatings, imprisonments, riots, labors, sleepless nights, hunger, by purity, knowledge, patience, kindness, the Holy Spirit, genuine love by truthful speech and the power of god with the weapons of righteousness for the right hand and for the left through honor and dishonor through slander and praise we are treated as impostors and yet are true as unknown and yet well known as dying 
and behold, we live, as punished and yet not killed, as sorrowful, yet always rejoicing, as poor, yet making many rich, as having nothing, yet possessing everything. We have spoken freely to you, Corinthians. Our heart is wide open. You are not restricted by us, but you are restricted in your own affections. In return, I speak as to children, widen your hearts also. Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. For what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness? Or what fellowship has light with darkness? What accord has Christ with Belial? Or what portion does a believer share with an unbeliever? What agreement has the temple of God with idols? For we are the temple of the living God. As God said, I will make my dwelling among them and walk among them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Therefore go out from their midst, and be separate from them, says the Lord, and touch no unclean thing, then I will welcome you, and I will be a father to you, and you shall be sons and daughters to me, says the Lord Almighty. All right, so around the table, what what things in that chapter, maybe a specific phrase that Paul's talking about, maybe just a topic, what what stood out to you guys and, and piqued your attention? I think what stood out for me was the part about being unequally yoked with unbelievers um, and that whole section, you know, talking about being a temple of God mm-hmm. and all of that, that kind of stood out to me because, um, you know, I think to be honest that that's been something in my life that I've always kind of struggled with understanding mm-hmm. of exactly what does that look like mm-hmm. in my life. Mm-hmm. It might get into a little application, but Phil, what, what do you have to say about that, that phrase unequally yoked? Like what's, what does that mean? Do we want to go there now? I, mean, I guess we can. Observations, context. Sure. Yeah. Um, this has always been uh, um, just an intriguing and even thrilling topic for me is just the whole yoke uh, topic where Jesus says, Come to me, all you who are weary, take my yoke upon you, uh, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Uh, really, it's a cultural um, reference mm-hmm. to how they would plow the fields and how would they, they would harvest their crops was through yoking up oxen and um, allowing them to basically the younger or the weaker of the two ox would learn from the stronger, the one that's in control. Um, a lot of times the young ox, uh, or if it's a different animal, which we'll get to with unequally yoked, um, will get distracted, will not necessarily know the commands by the person driving uh, the plow or leading it. And um, so the yoke is to keep them focused, keep them driven, keep them uh, doing what is expected. And so when it says unequally yoked, um, trying not to get an application because we'll get there, uh, but basically it's saying don't fully partner, not relate to people, um, that are unequally yoked. It's, it, it's not saying um, don't uh, live life and be friends with those who aren't Christians. What it's mm-hmm. saying is be careful who you walk lock 
uh, in lockstep with. Mm -hmm. Uh, Those who are basically people that you surround yourself and live life with, you have to be very careful because those who are are yoked to you um, are the ones that are going to influence your beliefs, influence your thoughts, influence your actions, and influence even your identity. And so that's where he's saying that, and we'll get into it just a little mm-hmm. bit more of what Paul is saying and not saying. Does yeah. does that answer what you yeah, are? absolutely. Okay. Just an observation is uh, probably most readers are going to look at uh, verse 15, mm-hmm. the whole, uh, what is that word, uh, Belial? Belial. Um, what it is referring to there is a characteristic of Satan. And this, if I'm correct, I don't believe this name has, uh, is used in the Old Testament and New Testament other than right here. And uh, what Belial is referring to in the characteristic of Satan is his worthlessness and his, uh, his treacherous ways. So basically, in the full frame of that verse... Um, verse 15, um, if you're there, it says, what accord has Christ with Belial or what portion does a believer share with an unbeliever? So it's basically saying as Christ is completely opposite of the treacherous and worthlessness of Satan. So is a believer to an unbeliever in the sense of their identity and how they are wired and supposed to live from the inside out. Mm-hmm. Make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think something that stands out to me is, is right in the beginning. As he's finishing up his thought from, from chapter 5, um, at the end of verse 2, he says, Behold, now is the favorable time. Talking about that favorable time for salvation. Behold, now is the day for salvation. In such a short period, he says that word behold twice. And we think of it as like old English, you know, something that Shakespeare would have written. But it's just this like uh, interjection to bring a jarring like sense to the text. That that word is in there and you're like, oh, okay, something actually is pretty important. And he uses it twice in the same sentence. And he's like, guys, accept your salvation now. That's for you today. Um, and so, and then the rest of the chapter kind of goes in a little bit different direction, but just, it was kind of plopped in there, like right at the beginning of the chapter and then, you know, different thoughts, but Paul's like, don't miss out on this. It's, it's for you today. I love it also with that, how Paul is, is just so transparent, but he just does not candy coat anything. I mean, he's like big Papa bear here. And as we saw in first Corinthians, he's talking to the Corinthian church who, we saw earlier, he's like, you know, are you still feeding on spiritual milk? Like, I have to talk to you like a child. Why aren't you growing up? And mm-hmm. he's talking about all these instances within the church body and, and dysfunctions and, and um, you know, false teaching coming into the picture. And he's just, just, he's this big mama bear trying to, you know, slap them in line. <laughs> and he just, he doesn't hold back any punches. I, I love that about mm-hmm. him. Um, especially in this day where everything has to be politically correct. Mm-hmm. And uh, we have to be very careful walking on eggshells not to offend anybody. Um, mm-hmm. Paul wasn't concerned about that. Right. He was concerned about their spiritual health mm-hmm. and unity amongst the body of Christ. Yeah. I like, too, how Paul just 
when things go wrong, you know, he, he lists beatings, imprisonments, riots, labor, sleepless nights, hunger, all those things. Sometimes we as Christians today, you know, I myself, I'll watch the news and a part of me kind of panics sometimes, like, what is going on? And, you know, we get fear. Paul never had that. I mean, he rejoiced. He got excited when these things happened and he just pushed ahead. And I just, I love that about him and his writings, how no matter what was going on, he used that to encourage and challenge in the faith. Mm-hmm. I think, uh, to, you know, Paul is, is talking about what is, what is his ministry mm-hmm. characterized by? And that's this long list of things that we have. And I think, um, you know, he wasn't a professional pastor. He would go around and he was a tent maker. That's how he made his living. And he just wanted to, to spread the gospel, not as a side job, but that's because it was what he was called to. So, um, but just talking about his ministry, he's saying, because of how I share the truth of the gospel, this is what my life looks like. This is what it's characterized by. And I think sometimes as Christians today, we're so surprised when there are hardships, when there's afflictions, where um, maybe because of people in our lives that, you know, are um, going through something and we have sleepless nights, whether that's because we're praying for them or maybe it's a sleepless night because you're the one in trouble and there's something terrible, you know, looming over whatever that is. There's this laundry list of things that Paul is saying. And for us, sometimes we're surprised when one of those sneak into our life. Um, mm-hmm. the, the things at the end where he says, you know, um, we live as punished, but not killed. Like, I don't want to be punished and I definitely don't want to die, you know, as sorrowful, there's sorrow in your life, but he's still always rejoicing as poor yet making many rich. He's not saying at the end, I'm rich, but there's just this contrast and the character of Paul's ministry is not glamorous. And I think sometimes we expect because we hear these promises of blessings in the Bible that we expect we live in accordance to God's will, our life will look glamorous. But that blessing is spiritual blessing that God has promised, and our life isn't promised to be glamorous. And that, that gives me hope, because every once in a while I look at my life, and I'm like, man, like, there's been a decent amount of hardship in my life. Why is this happening? And Paul's like, that's my life, dude. You need to get over it. I think it's, too, in our society, it's easy for us to want our lives to look glamorous because I mean I know with my children they're constantly watching TV and seeing all these celebrities with the glamorous lifestyle so I think that's why it's so easy for us when things go wrong to say oh how is this happening to me Mm. you know nothing bad's supposed to happen to me so I think it's good as we look at the Corinthians and we see what Paul is enduring and we see how he was Probably, well, we know a lot happier of a person than most of these glamorous people that we look at today in our society Mm -hmm. that look so happy and they have it all together. Um, It's pretty neat to see how Paul, through all these hardships, had so much joy and so much peace, so much more than the people we look at today and think that they're happy. All right. So do Should we want to do we want to Jen, you got to say something I'm or else. You sorry. Can't. This is just like a touchy one today. <laughs> Why? It just is. I don't want to cry. The the only thing I would say to encourage you is someone may need to hear what you're experiencing. Yeah. Because a lot of people who are listening to this are like, "Okay, so what? Like this yeah. this really hurts." Mm-hmm. So 
Um, what part is it? Just about the rejoicing, even through all of it, through the troubled times. Well, let's talk about that. I mean, you're not the only one, I think, um, that even in this Christmas and holiday season that would say, how do, how in the world do I rejoice in the midst of pain? And just like uh, Jacob's message last Sunday on joy, how do I find joy in the midst of pain? Can pain and joy actually be in the same sentence? Can it actually share the same place in my life? Um, the Bible is very, very um, to the point that, yes, it is, because joy is not a feeling, and joy is not based on our circumstances. Joy is based on who God is, his faithfulness, his love, his sovereignty, his almighty hand, his uh, omnipotence, um, and his goodness. And so our joy is founded in in uh, something that's outside of our earthly experience. It's supernatural. It's of the Spirit, and that is the joy that only Christ offers. So with that, Jen, how would you even say uh, how to apply this, especially in a dark place or a desert land or experiencing loss of a loved one or experiencing trials and resistance, especially with children in school and all the different stuff going on. How, how do we apply that? That's a really good question. Um, I have just been really thanking God for the trials right now and trying to figure out what the bigger picture is. Uh, I don't think that he puts us through these times for fun mm -hmm. I think there's a bigger picture uh, whether it's making somebody stronger bringing people together bonding you closer with our father there's a reason it's hard to find it it's hard to be thankful for the mm -hmm. times in the moment but it does give me hope that I can look at that moment and say there's a reason like, we're here mm -hmm. for a reason Mm -hmm. I just can't figure it out yet. But God wouldn't put me here if there right. wasn't. So we don't necessarily thank God for the pain. Thanks so much for the pain. It's what's going to come out of it. And I always use this illustration, and some people may not like it, and that's okay. It might be cheesy. may not hit some people um, where it does for others. But it's like you take, you take a cold cup of water, and you put uh, an herbal tea bag in uh, the water, you're not going to see a whole lot of action going on in the cold water. You're not going to see much of the content in the tea bag. It's not until you place it in boiling, steaming, hot water where you start to see what's made of it, what the content is. And I, I think that, you know, God's intent um, for allowing difficult times and a, a variety of trials and hardships is that he would be glorified and he would take those moments of stretching and difficulty and pain and anguish and start to make something good out of it within us. Um, that's why I love Romans 8. Uh, I think it's the New Living Translation that says, in all things God works together for good. Not all things are good. Some things truly suck and are very difficult. The loss of a loved one 
and especially, you know, they're a believer. We rejoice that they're in heaven, but we, just like uh, I think it was a couple weeks ago or this past week podcast with Tiffany talking about her grandpa. Um, if you haven't tuned into that one, uh, I would really encourage you to listen to that. It was First uh, Corinthians 15, I believe, chapter mm-hmm. 15. But anyways, Jen, I mean, wouldn't you even say that um, through these hardships is uh, at least bringing a deeper dependence and reliance on God? for whatever you need in that moment. Absolutely. I find myself praying more now than in the good times mm-hmm. because I need him now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, I and think- just thanking him for the lesson that I'm going to learn. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not that I'm going through, but that I'm going to learn in the end. Yeah. So many people too, I think when they're going through a really hard time, it's so easy to question God. Like, why are you letting this happen right now? Um, I know I've done that. And, you know, I just think it's important that, that we remember that God loves us so much. Like we can't even wrap our minds around how much he loves us. And I think it's important to remember when we're hurting that God is hurting with us. Like he is right there holding us and crying with us. You know, we were reading before going through the gospels and I love reading about Jesus and when he was here on earth and um, when Lazarus died and he cried with Mm -hmm. Mary and Martha. I love that part of scripture because it just, it really helps me feel closer to God because I realize, you know, if he had been here when my grandpa died, he would have cried with me and he was crying with me. Mm -hmm. So I, I think that's important instead. And it is so easy at times when we're mourning or we're hurting to Mm. be angry. And that's okay if you need to be angry. But I think we got to remember that he loves us and he is there and he's hurting with us. Mm -hmm. Um, So there's somebody that I went to high school with. Um, She she lives in Malawi and she has gone over there to taking these children and raise them and like she just her life is on mission i saw she shared something the other day and i'll read a bit of what she wrote here she quoted an excerpt from uh, esther from charles l swindoll aw tozer says much the same thing in one of his works it's doubtful whether god can bless a man greatly until he has hurt him deeply i've quoted that and received mail from people who have said you make god appear awfully cruel it's not cruelty it's sovereignty yeah, it, you know, it's his sovereignty. It's 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 mm-hmm. just, you know, I don't know. It's just yeah. perceiving him in a different way and mm-hmm. learning to be joyful through those right. things and being blessed and realizing how blessed you are by him in those times. Yeah. And I think the key to that, the the whole thing where we're sorrowful but we're still rejoicing even in the pain is, is what is the focus of your rejoicing? Um, I know for me a lot of times when things are going south, I still cling to certain blessings. I say, well, at least I still have this. At least I still have, you know, my family. But what if there's a hard time and God allows the pain to be my family is taken away? What if every blessing that I have on this earth, every good thing on this earth is taken away? So I can't rejoice in just the blessings that I have. Sometimes, you know, people are like, well, just write down what you're thankful for. Mm -hmm. And that's rejoicing. We have to rejoice in that no matter what your family looks like on this earth, no matter what your situation looks like on this earth, that God is still in control and loves your family. That's so good, Jacob, because I think I know I need to hear that in those times. And so many listeners uh, tuning in are, let's just be honest, life is very difficult. 
Um, there's so many things going on in our dark world and, um, there's so much divisiveness and division and in, in, even in the body of Christ. And, you know, we've been focusing on, um, in our Advent season, uh, this Christmas, we did a, a series called, um, the star, a journey to Christmas. And, uh, the big focus on that series is that it's not until you are surrounded by darkness that you can truly see the amazing light that God is. And um, this may not help people and it doesn't help the situation, but when we're facing some of the darkest areas in our lives are the times where God wants to reveal his light and who he is to us in deeper ways. I know for me and my wife, Lauren, um, we're, we're so grateful for God's faithfulness and the good times and we try to be, but it's not until there's friction and there's not until, um, we're, we're more aware of our need and desperation to where we start seeking the face of God. And so for those who are just in dark times, allow yourself to experience a deeper side of God that you would never be able to experience him outside of the darkness in your life. You know, it's interesting too. I don't know about you guys, but I grew up with this picture of Jesus and the Christian was everything was put together. Everything was perfect. You named it and claimed it Mm. as Christians. And, um, (laughs) you know, I'm, I'm not speaking against that at all. I'm not getting into that. But Jesus, he was described, and you touched on this, uh, of Lazarus and Mary and Martha. He was marked as a man of sorrows. Yeah. He was acquainted with grief. And so in our dark times, like you were even mentioning, Jen, he is so intimately acquainted with each one of us in every season of our lives. He went through the darkest of dark times and he knows what that grief and that pain feels like. He was not called the man of victory, the man of joy and happiness. He was called the man of sorrows acquainted with much grief. I mean, talk about empathizing in our times of weakness and sorrow. Um, That just encourages me. I want to encourage anybody who's listening right now who is going through a hard time. Um, Jacob, you touched on this in your message about joy. Um, I want to encourage you, if you are struggling right now to not push others out, I think so many people do that. And I, Mm -hmm. I loved when you said that, Jacob, in your message, because it's very true. A lot of people, when they're hurting or they've gone through a loss, it's easy to just stay at home and shut everybody out and not come to church and just be alone in your suffering. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the enemy wants to do that to you. He wants you to feel isolated and mm-hmm. like nobody can understand what you're feeling. So if that's you and you're going through that, I want to encourage you find a church home, find a church family and go and don't just go, but get plugged in. Because that's made a huge difference in my life. I mean, I know Jeff and I, we just started our family group. Um, Jacob and Jordan are in our group with some other families. And just having other people that I know I can turn to if I'm Mm -hmm. hurting, 
Um, I have phone numbers. I have people that I can, you know, text or call if I need someone to pray for me. Yeah. That makes a huge difference in your suffering, sure. in yeah. your trials, knowing that you're not alone. That's so really good point. I just want to encourage everybody to, you know, if you're hurting, you're probably not the only one. There's yeah. probably somebody you could talk to that can relate to you and help you through it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. To finish out application, if you guys don't mind, I'd like to focus again uh, back on um, what verse is that with the unequally yoked? Is uh, that 15? 14. 14 and 15. Um, I just want to uh, give us two thoughts to ponder on with this since I, uh, you know, I was I was thinking and reflecting on this as well. And um, one thing that was interesting, well, two points first. With the whole don't be unequally yoked. Number one, uh, Paul is really getting to the heart of direction for the believer. It's all about direction and always fixing your eyes on Christ. And the whole point of unequally yoked, when you're off balance, you cannot fully focus on the thing that you're trying to focus on. Uh, Secondly is the purpose of a believer. So first is the direction of the believer is to fix your eyes on Christ, to fix uh, your thoughts and everything on Christ. And what's interesting with this whole unequally yoked topic is it's mentioned first in Deuteronomy 22. It says something along the lines that an ox and a donkey should never be mixed breeding wise, but even with uh, put into a yoke for tasks. Why? Because an ox and a donkey are very different and they pull the plow very differently. And so when you have a donkey and an ox trying to go in different directions, different rhythms, different pace, different strengths, you have a problem. And what this is saying is not to be friends or mingle with people who aren't Christians. Uh, Paul was not saying that we should break all ties and association with unbelievers. You can see 1 Corinthians 5 and 1 Corinthians 10 for more. Um, What's interesting is even before this chapter, he previously encouraged uh, the saved partner in a mixed marriage to maintain the marriage relationship as long as possible Mm -hmm. because that person would be... uh, you know, what did he say? Holy, uh, sanctified kind of thing uh, for the purpose of salvation. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he also urged his fellow Christians to be ambas- ambassadors of Christ to evangelize to the lost. Mm-hmm. So if Paul was saying don't associate with unbelievers, uh, that would go against the point of what Christ came to do. Mm-hmm. What, he's, what he's saying is be very careful how close and how much you allow the unbeliever, uh, the patterns of this world to influence mm-hmm. you and direct you. And second would be our purpose. Um, once we become believers, our life goal is found in my favorite verse, Second Corinthians chapter 3, mm-hmm. verses 17 to 18. It was my wedding verse, but it's the Lord is the spirit and where the Lord or where the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. And we who all with unveiled faces, meaning we've come to the knowledge of Christ, are being transformed into Jesus's likeness with ever increasing glory. So for you guys, what would, what would you say is the purpose of every believer? The purpose of every believer is to become more like Jesus and see his kingdom become a reality on this earth. 
So if we're trying to interpret what Paul is saying about not to be unequally yoked, and being yoked doesn't mean just hanging out. It means mm-hmm. literally walking life and being tied together. Mm-hmm. Um, why would you think Paul would be saying that if the believer's purpose now is to look more and more like Jesus Christ? Well, I think so. Let me try and clarify real quick, because some of you, like my wife, have never set foot on a farm unless it's, you know, to go through a corn maze during the fall. Um, so imagine you're running like a, a three-legged race, all right? The purpose of running that, you you don't just do it to do it. You want to win. You, not to discriminate, you aren't going to pick somebody with one leg to be your partner because it just doesn't work. What is the purpose? It's to yeah. run the race. You're Or you're if you're unstable. really tall, you don't want somebody or, really short. Yeah. Or exactly. someone with a leg injury. Yeah. You know, or not allergy, whatever it may be. Um, and so you want to pick your partner. <laughs> a that nut, you a nut allergy. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. Sorry, um, Brian. No. And so you're going to pick somebody that will help you to that purpose, like you were saying. Sure. And so especially I think Paul is, is writing this specifically. It can reach further, but specifically with marriage in mind. He's saying if the purpose of marriage is to show how Christ loves the church— if you marry somebody who doesn't believe in Christ and all that he is and how he loves the church, how will the full, you know, um, partnership of that marriage exhibit that relationship? It can't. And so back to your original question, I think um, the reason why Paul is, is telling us not to be unequally yoked is as Christians, we need people who will always spur us on. In marriage, we need somebody who will remind us of what Jesus looks like when our life isn't looking like Jesus. We need um, that community that God designed the body of Christ to look a certain way. He designed the relationships, especially in marriage, a certain way. And those can only ultimately be fulfilled um, with people who are all seeking Christ together. Interesting. And also to not have somebody in your life that's a constant pull in the opposite direction of where Jesus is. That's exactly it. And you know, what was interesting in reading this passage, uh, one of my excerpts of, of indexed led me to Matthew twenty two twenty one. It's actually where Jesus is saying when they're trying to trap Jesus about uh, should we pay taxes to Caesar? And uh, Jesus said, do you remember this, Tiffany, mm-hmm. that Jesus said, to, uh, um, you know, pay pay to Caesar what is Caesar's and pay to God what is God's. This is very similar here too. What Jesus taught about a believer's relationship with God and the state is we should obey both the authorities unless they conflict in our obedience and our devotion to Christ. He's saying that too, whether it's in marriage or our really close ties, the groups of friends that we hang around, uh, what's the Bible say? Bad company corrupts good behavior. It influences how we think, how we operate, uh, what we believe, and how we act. And um, he's saying, with your relationships, you know, enjoy your relationships, represent Christ. But if your relationships are in conflict with your devotion and obedience to God, something is out of balance, hence the unequally yoked. When I look back on my life, I can always tell the areas when I, my close friends were the wrong kinds of people I should have be yoked to and close to. You're not referring to us, are you? Yes. Oh, that's exactly who. <laughs> She's deep in one of those periods right now. <laughs> no, but I think if you do, if you look back over the years and you look at the seasons that you were hanging out very close to people who probably weren't the best influences, I guarantee those aren't the times that you were close to the Lord. 
So um, that has definitely been something. I mean, I make sure that I still obviously don't just hang out with believers, but again, it's just so important to make sure that you have good godly people in your life Mm -hmm. that you can rely on. And I think just as a closing thought for us as we seek, okay, well, what does that mean? Does that mean I isolate myself? Once again, Jesus is the perfect example because who did he surround himself with? Who was he integrally involved with ministry? It was those disciples, the people who at the end of the day wanted more of God. Mm -hmm. Yet he still, every single time we see him interacting, was interacting with unsaved people who needed him, wow. the sinners, the the prostitutes, the tax collectors, the people of low reputation. He he was with them. He didn't avoid them, but who was he working alongside of? Who did he surround himself with? It was people with that common goal. And why? You just said it. They needed him. Mm-hmm. They, they, they were desperate for him, whether or not they realized it or not. He realized it. Mm-hmm. And so Jesus is always present to those who need him and are desperate for him. Mm -hmm. That is an awesome way to wrap all this up. Mm -hmm. Cool. Brent, would you like to close (laughs) us out in prayer? Sure. I can do that today. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for your presence in our lives. We thank you for this time to be able to be together in fellowship and in your word with the people in our lives that we are surrounded by who have the goal in mind of wanting to be closer to you every day. Um, We just ask that the people that hear this today and the people that hear this in the future would really understand that message um, and that they would know that they're not alone and that there are people that they can reach out to and surround themselves with so that they can have that common goal and continue to grow in their faith and in their lives with you, but also in relationship with other people who are seeking the same thing. So above all else today, God, I just ask for that, for anyone who's hearing this. Um, I thank you for this time. I thank you for this Christmas season that we just finished up with um, and for the blessings that you bring to our lives every year at this time. And um, going forward into this new year, I just ask you to um, to bless this church, bless all these people, and um, just also that you, through our actions and through our relationships and through our deeds, would be lifted up all this year going forward that you and your light would shine beyond all else. So, Lord, we just love you and we thank you for everything that you are, everything that you do. And in your holy name we pray. Amen. 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 Hey, guys, Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. Merry Christmas. (laughs) (laughs) All right, well, that's going to wrap us up for another episode of the Weekly Impact Podcast. For everybody here at Elevation Community Church, for the staff, for the... um, the podcast itself. I just want to say thank you again for joining us. Um, if you like what you're hearing, please go on to iTunes or Stitcher or SoundCloud, wherever we're available. Um, follow us, obviously. Um, subscribe if you would so that you automatically get the updates whenever we put new podcasts up. And then also, if you would, take a moment to uh, give us a review. Um, that just gives us a little bit more of an ability to reach more people with this podcast, which is the goal that we have. So anyway, for Weekly Impact. Um, This is Brent Smith and the rest of these fine folks that would join me for the day. And um, we would just like to wish you, since yesterday was Christmas, we would like to wish you a Merry Christmas again. Um, Happy holiday season. And as we roll into the new year this coming week, I just wanted to say Happy New Year to you and yours. And we will talk to you next time. Thank you so much. Have a good week. Mm